Amen. Today we celebrate the Holy Trinity, our, Fa our Lord and Savior, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who has created us, the one who has redeemed us, and the one who has given us new life by the power of the Spirit. It is good for us today to pause and reflect on what exactly is the Trinity, this doctrine of who our God is as revealed by the Scriptures. And at its core, we begin by saying we can't explain it, for it is a mystery. When we talk about who our God is, three persons in one God, who is one God, though there are three persons, not three gods, not three fathers, not three sons, as we will shortly confess in the Athanasian Creed, but the one who has created us from the very beginning when he, set, when he sent forth the word as the Spirit hovered over the waters and who continues to create in us new life and salvation. It is true, as you probably know, the word Trinity never appears in the scriptures, but it is an understanding, a word used by the church from at least the second century, if not before. So less than a century after our Lord's life, the church was using this to define who God is, that relationship of the Father to the Son, and of the Father and the Son to the Spirit. In our text today, we have a clear proclamation of the Trinity. Whereas Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he shares with him what Nicodemus should have known from the scriptures, and yet did not comprehend. Who is God? God is none other than the Father who sends the Son, who shows his love and mercy most explicitly by sending his one and only begotten Son into the world. The Son, then, is the one who is sent, not to judge the world and to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved, that life would be given to all who, clung to his, who cling to his name and who are born again by the Spirit, through water, through the Word, through the gift of baptism. The Spirit is the one who proceeds from the Father and the Son, the one who unites us with the Father and the Son. The third person of the Trinity is one who dwells in us boldly, as we heard in, through the Word of God last week, and so is the one who brings us into the kingdom. Why is this so important? What is so critical about proclaiming God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? about proclaiming what we know and even what we don't know. At its heart, the doctrine of the Trinity is nothing less and certainly nothing more than what the scriptures themselves proclaim about God. When we talk about the Trinity, we are saying this is what we believe, this is what we confess, and it is what the scriptures themselves give us to proclaim. As we are on this side of our Lord's life, of the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, we can look back to the life of Jesus and see him so clearly proclaimed in the Old Testament. How David would talk about the Lord would sit at the right hand of my Lord. How we hear about the Word proclaimed, the Spirit descending upon the prophets, upon the people of Israel. How we hear about the Lord who would be the suffering servant in the words of Isaiah. Throughout the scriptures, we have a united teaching of what our God is, who our God is, and most importantly, what it bears witness is that our God is, is the one who loves, the one who is merciful. Yes, he is the one who judges and the one who hates sin. He is the one who calls us to repentance, to turn from our ways of death, to be gathered into him who is the way of life. 
As we proclaim the Trinity, we confess who God is and also who he is not, how, he, how the true God is different from all the teachings of men. There are many religions in the world. There are many who claim to know the way to God. There are some who claim there are many paths to God that always are equal. But that's not what we confess when we confess the Trinity. As the Son proclaims, there is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Son. All other ways are false. Indeed, all other ways are distinguished from the way of the Trinity because the Trinity proclaims a God who loves us unconditionally, without regard for merit or worthiness in us, because there is none. We who are in rebellion against him, we who so often fall into sin, we who would rather go our own way. Today, let us take a moment and recognize how we understand what the Trinity is. For it is true that that proclamation of the scripture reveals the Trinity to us. But how do we understand it? As we consider the doctrine of the Trinity, one of the aspects of who we are comes into play. And that is the gift of our reason. Because it is through reason that we can understand what the scriptures say. And yet, it is also a caution that we recognize the place of the gifts of God which is that they are servants to God's word, not masters of God's word. One of the truths we recognize as we look around us at the world is that this gift of reason is what distinguishes us from creatures of this world, from animals. Reason is a gift from God that stems from the fact we have a soul. It is the ability to discern things, to make decisions, to decide what is right and what is wrong. It is why we can look at markings on a piece of paper and recognize them as letters that form words, that form paragraphs, that form ideas. It is the ability for why we can interact and come into agreements and disagreements. It is that ability to think at the end of the day. No matter how smart an animal is or how much it might appear to have human qualities, animals don't have souls and therefore they don't have reason. They, might be, they, they live by instinct and by what they have learned. They can indeed learn responses and how to benefit themselves and avoid pain, but it is different from what we have. With our reason, we can figure things out. Unfortunately, as with everything about us, it has been corrupted by the fall. And so, we are not always honest with ourselves or with other people. We might recognize things and falsely claim what they are, or we might not even recognize when they are wrong. What does this all have to do with the Trinity and with God? What this means is that when we try to ask the question, who is God, and we use our reason as the chief kind of uh, way of figuring out who it is, we always end up in the wrong place. Because in our sinfulness, there is something which we try to do above all things, which is to justify ourselves, to justify our actions. We try to define God in a way that eases our conscience because it allows us to do what we want to do, regardless of what we know to be right or wrong. And so when we try to use our reason to figure out who God is, where we end up is a God who coincidentally allows everything we want. Do you want to be able to live and do whatever you want? Well, God allows it. He's your friend who just is trying to encourage you to get through life. Who understands when you might fall off the path? And so simply kind of gives you a pep talk to get back on the right road. 
Or maybe he's the God who encourages you to simply have a happy and fun life. So whatever makes you happy and fun, go ahead and do, regardless of how it affects other people or how it affects yourself. We have a gift from God which allows us to discern things, but we are called to recognize that in our fallen nature, it is often wrong. And so as we ask the question, who is God? The place we go to, the only source where we can find that answer is the scriptures. And what it means is to recognize that even as reason is how we understand the texts of the scriptures, it should never be used to dictate what the scriptures always mean. Because we come to many places in scriptures of things we can't understand. The Trinity is a prime example. How can there be three persons in one God? I do not understand. I cannot explain it. I cannot tell you how this happens. This even goes farther. How do I know that the word he speaks is the word that is what we should live by? When it tells us what is proper for marriage or what is proper for how we live in relationship to others. It might not make sense to me. It might not make sense to you. We might not be able to explain it. But yet we let reason be a servant to the word of God and we accept it. How is it that when we come forward to the tables today and eat bread and wine, it is not only bread and wine that we are partaking, but that which our Lord has saved us, his very body and blood, that which was shed on the cross. Again, I can't explain it, but I allow my reason to be a servant to Scripture. We have been given a great gift that as we read through the Scriptures, we can know who God is and understand but I would add at the end of the day, let us not confuse this with faith. Because even a non-Christian who reads through the scriptures can understand what it says. That there was a man who claimed to be God. And that this man went to the cross. And he allowed himself to be crucified for the sins of the world. And that according to the scriptures, it says that he rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. They can understand that that's what the Bible says, and yet not believe it. It is only by that work of the Spirit, again, something we cannot explain, that as the Word comes to us, the Spirit creates in us faith, which says not only is that what the Bible says, but I believe it and I know it to be true. That is not just a claim that this man was God, it is the truth that he is God, that he is the Word made flesh who dwelt among us that he did die for your sins, that he shed his blood to wash you clean, that on the third day he destroyed the power of death as he rose to new life, that he came into this world not to judge the world but to save the world, that he has sent forth his spirit to bring us from darkness into light, to call us, for repent to call us into repentance and into faith. What is actually also amazing about this very gift of faith and how it differs from the reason of understanding is that we can take heart in knowing that even those whose reason is not fully mature or has faded away, whether we're talking about at the beginning of life or the end of life, that by that same power of the Spirit, faith is created in the hearts of those who may not fully comprehend or even understand that the Spirit works in such a gracious way that he calls, enlightens, and gathers all people into the Christian faith as that word of God goes forth, and that those who do not reject it are gathered into his kingdom for life eternal. So what are, who is the Trinity? What are the wonders of the Trinity as summed up in the word of God? 
It is in those words I'm sure we all have memorized. The words which Jesus himself proclaimed to Nicodemus, that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For the Son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through, the world, that, that through him the world might be saved. And for our help, for our enlightening, for our salvation, he is the one who sends forth the Son by water and the Word to bring us into his kingdom. May we treasure this gift and this promise of our Lord. May we be sustained by him as we go forth this day, confident that we are in his kingdom, children of our Heavenly Father, redeemed by the Son, and sanctified by the Spirit, now and always. Amen. And we rise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.